Hey everybody, it is episode 310 and today is Tom Ross. But before we begin, I just want to tell you what I always tell you, which are the commercials. Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audio book download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash design recharge. There's over 180,000 titles for you to choose from for your iPhone, your Android, your Kindle, or your MP3 player. And without further ado, let's get started. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Design Recharge. This, I mean, well, I'm your host, Diane Gibbs, and it, I was going to say it's episode 310. Anyway, I just got out of order, but whatever. Uh, today, I'm joined by my friend Tom Ross, and Tom is not only the owner of Design Cuts, he's also, he started the Honest Designers podcast, which was a mastermind group that exploded into lots of sharing and helpful things. And now he's building a personal brand. He's actually built it. So we're going to kind of dig into why, how he has his time, because that seems like a lot. I don't know when he sleeps. Um, and he also is pretty happy. So I want to see what's kind of the secret. Is this personal brand stuff something that we all need or businesses need? Um, so we're going to get in. So Tom, thanks for coming. Thanks so much for having me, Diane. I always love chatting and I'm a huge fan of the show, so I'm excited to be back on. Awesome. Well, I'm a huge fan of you, so I'm just <laughs> going to jump in because we have so much to cover and you didn't get to eat your lunch. So, it's all good. How, how long have we got? And I'll, I'll try and An cram. hour. Oh, great. We'll cram a lot in then. And Tons I, at some point, am going to take this jacket off. I'll do it while you're talking. So <laughs> okay. You will see me take my jacket off, but nobody else will. Hey, Debbie okay. Capper's here. All right. <laughs> Here we go. I just didn't want you to, anyway, mm -hmm. I'll hold my shirt down. I won't be flashing anybody. Here we go. <laughs> All right, Tom, you have a successful business, Design Cuts. You have built a successful podcast, the Honest Designers podcast. And then, so when did you decide to do a personal brand and, and why was this important? I decided about five years ago, actually. Um, I had a burning desire to do it. I think there's a load of very good fundamental reasons why a lot of people should have one. Um, but honestly, there were two reasons why I kind of delayed doing it properly. One was that I wanted to build actual credibility. So I didn't want to be the guy that kind of hadn't really built a real business, um, but then was sharing advice on how to do that. You know, it's like the 19-year-old life coaches out there. It's never a yes. good look. <laughs> that sort of is funny to me, but okay. Yeah, yeah and <laughs> me too. And also, um, I was just so busy. I was super, super, super busy building my company out. And it took the majority of my energy building design cuts. So I, I just couldn't afford to have like a single thing distract me from doing that. So like I say, for a lot of years, I've wanted to do one. I'm a huge believer in why, and, and I'm going to share a lot of those reasons with you guys today. Um, but that is the reason for the delay. I guess it's been like the last year of kind of doing this properly. I was tickling it for a long time. You know, I had an Instagram personally. I was putting out a bit of advice, but not really taking it seriously. So it's been more in the last year, more recently kind of ramping it up. And it's starting to really work. But this is only the beginning. And again, we, we can discuss this to our heart's content today, but it really is a long game, like building any brand. Branding is not sales. Branding is not immediately putting, you know, food on the table, getting clients in the door. Building a brand is like building a reputation. It can take years. So for me, this is like a 10 to 20 year play. And 
again, I think that's probably something we should discuss today, just the sheer patience and kind of faith um, that you need to have in, in this type of thing. So let's start with that. So you wanted to start this five years ago. That's where the inkling came. And then you've kind of, but you haven't put all your efforts in it until about a year ago, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, would it be helpful to kind of describe what it is for people, what a personal brand is? That'd be great. Cool. So, um, I mean, in my mind, a brand is essentially how other people think of you or your company. Um, I don't know. Everyone's got a slightly different definition. I don't know exactly what yours is, Diane. Um, but when I think of Design Cuts as brand, it's very much like if we're not there in the room, um, how do people think of us? When they describe us to their friends, what kind of language do they use? What kind of emotions do we conjure up? What things do they associate with us? That is how I think of a brand because a brand comes from the market. It comes from the consumers and it can't really come from you. You can try and shape it. You can try and you know influence how people perceive you and your brand, but you can't just impose it and say, this is our brand and we say it's that. You know, that doesn't work because some people try and do that, some big corporates, but they have a horrible brand. The public perception is way off and they did a terrible job, right? So it's the market that actually decides who and what your brand is. I have an analogy for that. You want to hear it? I really do. Yeah. Okay. So it may not be good, but I'm practicing this out. So I think of it like Play-Doh. You know, Play-Doh had like, did y'all have Play-Doh over there? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I don't sure. know. Did you? I don't know. Whatever. Everybody's different. Um, so Play-Doh comes in these yellow little tins with a red cap, and it was very um, fun, and there were generic ones as well, probably when you were coming up. I, for me, it was just the brand of Play-Doh. But they didn't come with things already made. It came with this glob, and then the consumer, me, the kid, got to make whatever I wanted to make. Now, there were pictures on the outside or on the box that maybe I could aspire to, like the brand is aspiring to be like that or for kids to make things like that. But really, it's how the brand makes the kid feel. So it's about creativity. It's not something you can package. So I can't package, hey, you buy this, you have more creativity. But it, it's mm-hmm. uh, so I feel like it is like Play-Doh. They give it to us, but we have to shape it ourselves and, and we get to form it. You know, is yeah. that a good analogy? It's a really good analogy. I like that. Yeah, I, I think that's a great way to think about brands. Um, and when we kind of map these ideas to a personal brand, it's really no different, right? Your personal brand is how the market, the consumers, other people in your industry perceive you. And that's really the fundamentals of it. But the difference can be staggering because someone in this industry might be like a hermit, right? So they could be a very talented designer, but they never share that with the world. They're not on social media. They produce no types of content. They don't network. They don't go to any events. I'm going to call this fictional person the anti-Diane because you are very good at doing all those things. Um, and, and that's great, you know, if that's what they want to do. But they're inherently, they're not really going to have a brand. They're just going to be a designer that does work and, and hopefully gets paid for it. But what a brand can do, it can really propel you forward within your market or your industry because it helps you stand out. It helps you get noticed and it opens all kinds of doors. In my mind, it is essentially the modern day resume. Mm. 
because it's like a living, breathing resume. It's no longer a static, um, you know, stationary bit of paper. It is everything because now people can see what you're all about in real time. Anyone checking you out can listen to your podcast or go on your Instagram or your YouTube or your LinkedIn, all these different places. And that's going to give them a much better feel. So whether that is a potential employer or that's people interested in following you and your journey or people interested in networking or doing business development with you or anything else that becomes, you know, the gatekeeper, right? All of these different platforms is what they think of you, how they judge you, how they perceive you, how other people talk about you, your reputation in the industry. So that's what I'm trying to build up. And if you notice every CEO at a company like mine also has a personal brand. So you've got the future, but you've got Christo, right. you've got creative live and you have Chase Jarvis. And this happens over and over and over again, because these savvy business people realize it is an absolute must to have one. And there's several reasons for that. So one is just that it lets them kind of, it's almost like having a second company, to mm -hmm. be honest. Um, and people do prefer dealing with people over companies. So as much as my company, Design Cuts, has a fantastic reputation, I can't tell you how many doors I've opened and partnerships I've opened through my personal brand now. Because people would rather DM with Tom on Instagram as opposed to company they haven't heard of messaging them out of the blue. You can really build those human connections. So that's one huge benefit. But also, it's so nice to own your own thing. So for me, I call it my digital playground because I love my company, but you know, we've got like 20 people working for us. It's inherently going to be a bit slower than just me instantly getting something done the way I want to do it with full creative freedom, with no pressure, because it's not like people's jobs are tied to it. Whereas in my company, we have two processes and go about things in a probably more organized way. So, so yeah. So with the personal brand, so this is really, so I guess I was thinking of personal brands as kind of that second company, but like what you're saying, so is it, and this is a question on further down, we're just going to go ahead and attack it. Do you think that like design firms or agencies, because a lot of these people have, minus my mom, um, has a, a company, you know, and they are either freelancing or they have a side project or this is, they have kind of an, they have an agency or, or they are this. So I understand what you mean. They may have something like I do, Little Bird Communications, but like you're saying, I'm the face of that. So is it only yeah. to help design cuts or any other thing that you do? Because it does seem, so Tom, you have such a big heart and you really are community driven. Like the, the reason you started, I mean, design cuts is this huge benefit for any designer. You know, they have these huge deals that you get these really high quality things. So it's a win for the person who owns. I remember I was like, oh my gosh, you guys, Futura is in this pack. Like, go yeah. get this pack. Futura normally costs $1,000 on its own. 1800 1800 <laughs> So, So it's a huge yeah. deal. Um, and, and the quality. And Debbie Clapper said that. She's like, I usually think of, um, naturally think of design cuts as higher quality version of like something like creative market, even though they have some of the same vendors. Design cuts looks better to her. And I agree. I appreciate so, that. Yeah. So to me, there is, I guess I just wasn't thinking about it as 
do these small, is it required then as you're building your business, you should also be building that the face of a personal brand? Yeah, it's a great question. I think um, I'm always wary of people spreading themselves too thin. So if they're trying to do both at the same time, that can happen. But I think oftentimes, unless you have a big established company, you can kind of merge the two. You really can. I mean, look at, um, look at like Ian Barnard, right? He's obviously a bit more established, but he's very much a personal brand. Mm-hmm. But he's also a company of sorts. You know, he, he might be a one or two person company, but he sells things, services and digital products and so on. But he also has his personal brand, his reputation, um, and people know him. So I think but it's, like, yeah. But like you could sell design cuts, but Ian can't sell Ian Barnard, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So this is one of the shortcomings, if you will, of the personal brand thing is that it is inherently not saleable, but it perhaps shouldn't be because you're not really, you're not looking to sell yourself. What it's doing is basically making you a greater asset because I have no plans on selling design cards. But if that happened at some distant point in the future or some terrible thing happened or whatever it might be, if that went away um, and I had nothing, then I'd be screwed. But if if I have my own thing, no one can ever take that away from me. And in a similar vein, companies endure like very intense competition i'm sure a lot of people live have experienced that but you can't really experience so much competition with your personal brand because Mm. people can't compete with you you are completely unique they might do some similar things but you know we we've had adobe come along and try and do certain things which might hurt some of us and our competitors and and that happens right that's completely out of your control. But anyone who tries to literally be like mini Tom Ross is going to lose because they're never going to be as much me as I am. And <laughs> that's just like no one can go and be Diane Gibbs because you're Diane Gibbs. Right. And that's hugely reassuring. Um, and, and that is quite refreshing because the day job, you know, is very much like go, 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 try constantly try and like, you know, fight to do the best job in the industry and, and, you know, with the purest intent and all that kind of stuff with the personal brand. It's like, this is just me being me. And if people want to follow that and support mm-hmm. that incredible. And if I can build community around that and bring value, happy days. Um, but I want to be doing that for the rest of my life. Right. This is not a saleable asset. This is just increasing my value. Because suddenly, you know, I can get booked more for speaking. I will have a future book deal. I am able to network way easier. I'm suddenly much more ingrained and in tuned with my industry compared to if I just had my team kind of keep their ear to the ground and filter that back to me. There's so many benefits. All right. So let's go back to that first thing about the commitment, because you put off the personal brand to grow the main brand or Design Cuts brand so that you could have um, credibility. Yeah. Credibility. So mm-hmm. with credibility, you know, you did five, how many years of design cuts did you do? Uh, well, we're about six years old or turning six in October. So I guess about five years. All right. So at, and, but you also share that you're growing or you're trying things. So it's like, you're taking us on the journey. You're not, um, absolute. And Chris Doe does this also with the future. Mm-hmm. And I think that's kind of a, a different mindset uh, as maybe somebody else. Um, and I think people have the 
Um, they feel like they have to become that expert. What do you think about that? Like you, I mean, I agree you had to have some, you have to have some experience behind you. I think that's really, really important. But what do you think about an expert status? Um, yeah, I think a perfection doesn't exist. So if we're trying to get to some magical point where we're just the perfect guru, it's never going to happen. So I am a huge fan of sharing the journey and that is actually a mistake that I've made. So if I started my personal brand five years ago, Mm. um, I would have maybe sucked a bit at first, but I'd be further along now. I would have a bigger, more established community. I'd have more content under my belt. I would have iterated and uh, evolved my content production skills a lot more by this point. So I I wish I'd done it early. I mean, also I look at like Instagram and stuff like, man, that was easier five years ago, six years ago compared to now. I'm still breaking through quite rapidly now, but the damage I could have done back then and, you know, the lack of anyone doing anything remotely similar, like the future, for example, they, they weren't really on the scene that much back then. Um, so yeah, I should have started early. I'm actually helping several people with this. And the trick is people enjoy the documentation of the journey. You are always a step ahead of someone who's a step behind you. And so there's like 14, 16 year old kids who message me about this stuff. And my advice is literally like, just document as you go. So it's like, I had a breakthrough. I just learned something which is going to save the the next guy or girl behind me time. Um, I just had a really bad day, which becomes relatable for them. And actually that's hugely compelling because people like Christo or these A-listers in our industry, they become a little bit unrelatable at a certain point. And that's something I'm always wary. I never want that to happen with me and my content. Um, but it does. It's called the uh, the curse of knowledge, right? Mm-hmm. So we presume it's easy or just straightforward. We kind of forget what it was like when we figured it out. And I always try and hold on to that, like in my content. And when we do the Honest Designers show, I always say like, I really need to try and put myself back in those shoes because it's all well and good just giving out all this great advice as we try and do. But um, I remember being broke and feeling hopeless and just because someone's like, raise your prices, for example, it's not that easy when you feel like the whole thing is impossible. Um, so I think there's a huge gap where more people should be sharing the early stages of their journey. Because if I was a 14-year-old kid, I would love to perhaps combine some of the A-listers in the space with another 14-year-old kid who was just like really hardworking, inspirational to me, going through all the same stuff. And you kind of go in their slipstream. So you just like learn behind them. And I think that's really compelling. So what about when you are talking about if you had done this five years ago or at the beginning inception of design cuts, do you think design cuts would have suffered? Because you you attack this with such vigor that I think that it's difficult to, I mean, you can step out of design cuts to some extent and do more personal brand. But if you Mm -hmm. had done it, maybe design cuts wouldn't be as far along. What do you think about that? Yeah, it's a tough one. I mean, one of the reasons I held off is because I'm really bad at doing things half-assed. I I really hate it. I need everything to be like exceptional or at least very good. Um, And it pains me when I know I could be doing better. And the truth is when I started the company, I was working 100 hours a week, 18 hour days. I think as you know, Diane, I put myself in hospital, went through all this stuff. Um, so yeah, I probably didn't have the bandwidth to be doing anything on the flip side. Maybe if I had done it, it could have opened up a ton more doors along the way. And actually in some respects, we might be further on. 
And maybe I should have just let go of the precious nature of like, oh no, but I can't produce 18 pieces of content a day and make it all perfectly polished. Um, and like I say, it took me a while to get there. Like if you go back on my Instagram, there's tons of content that was like five seconds to throw together. And I did that for a long time because actually I became less of a perfectionist and mm. I just started sharing and I call it dropping the filter. Everyone, especially creatives, they're such perfectionists and they always kind of filter what they put out, try and make every pixel perfect. Whereas if you just essentially brain dump, it's like, it's like a talking before you think in social situations. It's quite a liberating thing to do that on social media and with your content where you're just like, nah, here's what I think today. And you just put it out to the world and you don't give it a second thought. Like, right. I actually think that's powerful. It is. So I have two questions and a comment. So, I'm going to do the comment first. So Debbie is part of your Patreon. So I am too. I jo joined this week. So I'm super excited. Oh, did you? Excited. Yeah. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Give me a dollar, Tom. Woo-hoo. That is the max you can give, right? <laughs> well, I guess you could donate more, right? Mm -hmm. um, so anyway, Debbie is talking. She's from Dallas. And I know there's a song or something, Debbie from Dallas, whatever. We're not going to go into there. So Debbie says, I'm a member of Tom's Tribe on Patreon. We have weekly calls and he literally helps each person that's on the call. Even if you don't have a question for him that week, you still learn from him helping others on the call. Incredibly valuable information each week. So that is time that you're giving, which is our most valuable resource that we cannot reproduce. We mm -hmm. cannot ever get more time in the day. We all have the same amount. So if you were doing time, all right, so, so how long do these weekly calls last? Uh, two to two and a half hours. Okay. So what time of day are you doing them? Um, I'm doing them like 5.30 to 7.38 on a Friday night. Oh, okay. Although wow. this week's Saturday because I've got a triple day on Friday, so I had to move it. <laughs> so, so what do you do when you're out of town? Um, historically, I just don't do one that week and I just say, sorry guys. Like, and when they sign up, I say, you'll get one most weeks unless I'm on vacation. Okay. Well, that's good. Good to know. I just, um, so that's a lot of time that you're giving, giving people and for a really low cost. I, I don't, I don't know if that's a forever or if that's just um, part of the build. No, I've had so many of my own community message me saying, take your own advice and charge something reasonable. I probably will be doing that very Im imminently. Good. Because it's the advice I give to everyone else. <laughs> right. All right. So then I'm going to go back to the question number one, Kent said, and this is about having that. So you really ha are a freelancer as a freelancer. And Kent, I probably, Kent is a professor, but he's also done um, design for, for years. And he said, isn't there duplicity when you do, whoops, it just is, uh, ah, hang on, let me move this over. Isn't it just, oh, go ahead. No, no, please. After you. Isn't there a duplicity when what you do is what you are in a freelancer? Yeah. And that's what I was saying before. It's not inherently a bad thing to kind of merge the two, but it's, what are you trying to build? Are you trying to build a personal brand and a career around that? Or are you trying to build a company that you could flip or sell in the future? Right. So, so there's no, yeah, there's nothing wrong. Like if Diane, your whole career is about teaching and helping others, then you don't necessarily need to have like, your teaching company over here and you personally over here, you know, mash the two together. Okay. But again, it doesn't um, allow for a development of something in the future uh, for something to sell or because it's all connected to that personal brand. It would be like creative live if mm -hmm. he had just called it. Um, right. It, yeah. And, and it could be, you know, that, or, you know, 
And there are people like that. And I think that that's where do you have, I mean, I would love to have Diane Gibbs.com, but she's some realtor in, in California. (laughs) So, so it's like, okay, well then, you know, what else do you do? And I think that there's always these questions and it's where to put your time. And so Mm -hmm. I think right now for the last year, you've been putting a lot of your time. How much time do you still, how much time do you think you take away from your design cuts time? I don't. I just find additional time. Yeah. So um, my whole brand is the honest designer, the honest entrepreneur. So I'm going to be straight up with you today. Um, I I work generally 50 to 60 hours a week on my company. And it's a very frenetic 50 to 60 hours. Um, The personal brand is later in the evenings before bed and weekends. And there's some company work at weekends too. That's an additional 20 to 30 hours a week Um, to the point over the weekend. And you can maybe see a little bit today. I've actually made myself like pretty sick again through overworking like an idiot um, because I love it so much Mm -hmm. and I love helping people so much and doing all this stuff that I tend to push it too far. And so before I get into the like the nuts and bolts of how to do this, I'm definitely not one of these people who is like hustle co- culture, you know, just do this stuff until three in the morning. That's how you succeed. Cause that's a terrible idea. Like we need to look after our health primarily and our sleep and things of that nature. Um, so it really is about finding balance, but I do think we can be smarter with our time. I refuse to believe that just no one has the time because I'm one of the busiest people I know. And if I can find the time, then you can as well. I'm not advocating working 90 hour weeks because that's a bad idea. But you know, maybe you do work a 40 hour week, but you find an additional 20 hours. And for me, it really is fun. And I think whatever your personal brand is, it needs to be the thing that you can't stop talking about. Mm-hmm. You can't shut up about it. When you talk about it, you light up and you get so excited. I love this stuff so much that I, I've literally had like um, this, either this week or last week, I gave business mentorship to a seven-year-old kid. He's my friend's nephew. His mum brought him into the office. We laid on this whole kind of thing for him to make him feel really professional. And, and I sat with him for like an hour, hour and a half and just gave as much value as I could to try and help guide him. And his mum messaged me later and said that he said it was the best day of his life. Mm-hmm. Um, and like that literally made me so happy. One of my best friends, his brother practically whispered he was thinking of starting a business. Before I know, I'm having dinner with the guy drawing business plans on napkins. When you've seen, Diane, like when we chatted at Creative South, how I get, I get the same way you do about this stuff, where it's like you get so hyper and like could just talk about it forever. So it lights me up. So to the point where I'll be watching Netflix and... I'll get a bit bored. I'm like, I don't really want to watch this crappy show. I'd rather be here helping people and getting a real buzz out of that. And if doing that stuff is a dream to you, then don't make that your personal brand because that's a terrible idea. You should be able to, you know, do this longer than you do a day job that you're lukewarm on. You should be able to work harder. You should be able to be more passionate. You should have infinite content ideas pouring out of your head. It's not like a world that's run dry because this is your favorite thing in the world. Just like with Ian, a lot of his content is um, solo. It's, it's, mm-hmm. uh, it's not necessarily um, engaged except maybe with some sort of fruit or 
vegetable, you know, (laughs) he'll try new things, but a lot of those things are, are solo explorations. So it's just about continuously pushing whatever that boundary is. But I think one thing that's really important is to say that it brings you joy and it, it has a lot of happiness, um, just come combined and aligned right with it. But there Mm -hmm. is, uh, you're not doing it for the money. You do see that there's value. I know Scotty Russell and I were talking over the weekend and your name came up and he said, Tom really pushed me to really do the side hustlers thing. And I'm, and I'm totally grateful to Tom. So he was just being huge cheerleader to you. Yeah. Which I love, but that conversation wouldn't have happened and you wouldn't have heard those nice things about me if I didn't have a personal brand. Right. And that's how it works because it's like planting seeds. So you do it because you love to do it. But the side effect is that I hope thousands of people uh, eventually having those conversations. And I hear it all the time where it'll be like, oh, such and such recommended you or your name came up or someone said this nice thing. And that really starts to exponentially grow out. And that's what we did with Design Cuts. That's how you forge a reputation, which is essentially a brand. All right. So here's Patricia's question. Can you share ideas of the most important ways to build our brand when we have an employer, families busy and are striving for balanced lives? And she says she's worked in design field for 30 years. I still love it yet. Don't want to spend most spare time in front of a screen. So she does Mm -hmm. a lot of crafty things with her hands. So this could be part of her, her brand and it's breaking out because I've followed Patricia I mean, it's embracing some of those things, exactly what you're saying you don't want to do. You don't need to stay in front of the screen, right? You need to get out. She hikes. She does all kinds of things. That's mm-hmm. part of the brand. It's a, it is maybe the more balanced designer, right? Maybe? Yeah. And I mean, when people say stuff like, I don't like being stuck in front of a screen, the screen is just the medium of communication. So maybe you have negative associations with a screen because you're thinking of lame emails that you need to respond to in your day job. Mm. But what if actually in your spare time for a hobby, you were documenting the painting that you were doing anyway for fun, but you were posting on social media. If you had loads of people sending you messages, loving your work and supporting it, and you were having fantastic chats with them and making friends, I don't think you would be as likely to kind of deem it a negative thing being in front of a screen because you would get a huge kick out of that and really enjoy it probably. Well, it could be like when you're Patricia specifically, you guys, it's Pat Mandu and then underscore something. So Patricia, why don't you put your um, Instagram handle in there? But in the chat, there's like, if you have set up a little tripod while you're at one of these workshops, she did a reso Pat Mandu underscore 2002. So is hers. Thank you. So, but if you did that and then, then you would, maybe you could pay somebody to edit it and combine it together or just speed it up so that people are getting that. Or when you Mm -hmm. go on a hike or you do go junk in uh, with people, then maybe you have a a small um, camera that you take along with you that you're just documenting. And then you don't have to do all the editing, but I do think that you remember what was beautiful about it and it's hard to do are you doing your editing tom no so i'm glad you raised that this is how much i believe in personal branding so right now i'm super like you know full-on with the day job but i'm putting in those additional hours consistently i get currently between like one to 150 dms a day 
um, on Instagram and then Twitter messages and YouTube comments and then probably a hundred comments a day on Instagram. That's just the inbound. That's not even moving the needle forward as such or putting more content out. That's just responding to people. So that's quite a big commitment. Then there's putting out the content. Then there's putting out a daily video show seven days a week and a daily podcast. Uh, the weekly calls with my Patreon group, the newsletter that I send out once a week as well. In the future, probably LinkedIn articles and Medium articles. A blog on my website is coming as well. It's a lot. It's a lot of content. So it's all this time, all of this hard work for basically no money, like no return on all of this time. Whatever I get from the Patreon, again, I don't even do that to make money. It's more like a filter to ensure the right people are coming in. So my hourly rate is diabolically awful. And so when you break that down, it seems crazy, but here's where it gets crazier. In order to let me do all of that and help scale it out, I also uh, part-time employ Marco who works for our company and does video and he helps me with my personal brand. I also employ Rachel, who's one of my community members, um, and I'm about to employ another community member, Teresa, who's on the call hopefully, to help with some other stuff. When all that is said and done, it's over a grand a month in expenditure out of my own pocket for, again, virtually no immediate return. Right. And, and I, I love that though. Because some people are probably being like, that sounds crazy. So you're like burning yourself out, like working so hard, putting out all this content relentlessly and losing money every single month. And I got a wedding to pay for next year. You know, on paper, it's ludicrous. But in five years time, when I have the well-paying speaking career and I have the best-selling book and I have the, you know, half a million followers on Instagram and the podcast with millions of downloads and all the stuff which I aspire to do, then everyone looks and goes, hmm, how did he pull that off? And it's like, it, I pulled it off through the work I'm putting in right now because I'm laying the foundations and I can already start to feel that inflection point happening. So I, I put out content for, for years um, on Instagram. It's only recently it started taking off. Now I'm getting a thousand new high quality engaged followers a week. And it's starting to pick up momentum and I can really feel it start to make some waves. My podcast I put out for nearly a year, got hardly any downloads. This month is going to be the first month that crosses 10,000. You know, it's not a huge number, but it's month on month growth and every month the newsletter grows. And so what I'm doing is I'm building assets and building it into a bigger and bigger asset because all these different channels are growing and growing and growing. I'm reaching more people. I'm increasing my reputation. I'm increasing my brand. I'm opening doors every single week that I wouldn't have both personally and for my company. Um, and I would have been willing to do that um, for another 10 years before seeing any traction. That's how much I believe in it working. So I would have just kept plugging away and seen virtually nothing for another 10 years. That's how much faith I have in it. I'm only grateful that I'm starting to see that inflection point now because I didn't expect it to happen this early. Yeah. So Carly says it's refreshing to hear. And Teresa says she's here. She raised her hand. <laughs> cool. Um, so, and one thing Rhonda said, and I love this. She said, maybe we can all help each other and share our Instagram accounts to start our branding experience. I totally agree. I also think having a community where people can engage 
um, whether that's on Patreon or whether that's um, on a Facebook group or LinkedIn group or anywhere else, you have people who are engaging with each other. And so then I know Scotty's done this with his group in Perspective Collective, uh, his Facebook group, where it'll be like, hey, I do this. And then somebody will be like, or hey, I need somebody who edits video or I need somebody who edits podcast. Do y'all know of anybody? And then somebody in the group will say, hey, I do that. Here's some of the people that I've edited. Check this out. Yep. And I think that that's another way that the community is building itself um, because then, because you can't always vet each person in the community, but you could go as an individual and look or listen to what they've edited or what they've made, and then you decide whether that is. So I think it's important that you keep bringing your stuff to the table um, in those groups as well as an individual, not as Tom, right? But mm, you're yeah. encouraging that. I know that wasn't exactly what Rhonda was saying, but I do but, think that it's important to do that as a group. I, I love it though. And um community is everything for me. It's literally my favorite thing. So everyone has a different angle. Like, um, you know, Dustin, our friend at Retro Supply, we were joking about this last week. He loves like email marketing and the data and split testing behind that. It does. I don't really like that stuff. It's kind of boring. We have to do it. Um, but it's not my favorite thing. I love community. I love helping other people. I love the hundred plus DMs every day. I love getting back to everyone. I love delighting them and surprising them and sending them videos. And um, I was in Austria recently. And again, this, this is case in point, right? You have to practice what you preach. It's so easy for people to say, I care, but you have to back that up with your actions. And you only do that if you truly enjoy it. If you really want to be doing it, you're not doing it to get followers. You're not doing it to get money. You're doing it because you're passionate about it. So I was in Austria. We were looking at wedding venues, my fiance and I, um, and, and this woman was DMing me and having a bit of a, a problem. And I thought, you know, I, I'm on vacation now. I should be resting. But I'm like, what am I going to do? Just like sit here and stare at the lawn? Like, you know, I, I really want to help this woman. So I had no data or, or very little data, no Wi-Fi because we're at my fiance's uh, grandma's house. And so I was like, you know what? I'm just going to video call this woman and burn through my remaining data. So I video called her. We chatted for 10 minutes. Um, she appreciated it so much. And I was able to kind of help her hopefully with, with her problem. And it's that stuff which happens every day behind the scenes that I'm not even publicizing. But I think, again, going back to my analogy of like planting seeds, I am such a huge believer in building true fans. I think that is the metric you should be chasing. Not how many followers you have, right. like not how much traffic your site gets. It's true fans because they're going to be the ones to support you, you know, hopefully buy what you put out, tell their friends. Like the true fans are the ones that are going to empower you to actually do what you love more than anything in the world as a business. And so why I'm patient is because I don't care if I just get one true fan a week for the next 10 years, just one by one by one. I'm going to get these people just by helping them and truly caring about them and backing that up with my words and my actions and everything I try and do. So then this, um, just let's, I'm going to try to go through some of these quick. So you <laughs> yeah. are giving, so somebody might DM you in a text message. You often, instead of texting them back, you will do a video answer. Or um, will you do yeah, I, I don't want to lie, like not super often because of time, but oh. occasionally when I have a window, I'm like, I want to do this to like try and make someone's day or whatever. So sometimes it's, it's quick enough just to type with your thumbs. 
Yeah, I do. I do video. I do audio uh, recordings. I type with the thumbs. I occasionally call people. Okay. It depends. So Bautista, who's a friend of mine, um, he says, hey, Tom, what's your thoughts on the epidemic of sharing value through Instagram, Instagram carousels, which Tom was one of the first people that I saw do that. Um, how do you think somebody can stand out? Yeah, it's a great point. I think with anything, when it works, people will start doing it. And that's just the natural way of things. And it will become less effective over time. Mm-hmm. I want to give a broader answer here because I actually think what you need to do with your content and I wish I had some props or something. This is the way I think about content. You've got your top performing content up here. You've got your mid performing content in the middle, and then you've got the content, which isn't really working or engaging. And so what you should be doing is every single week trying to audit what's doing well, what's kind of okay and Mm. what's not doing well with the stuff that isn't doing well, do less of it or hopefully just remove it. And then try and double down on what is doing well and do more of that. If it works, do it more, right? It sounds so obvious, but so many people don't. They just keep doing all of it over and over again. And then every single week, you should try and add something that's just slightly different or experimental into the mix. And then you see how that does. Maybe it ends up being a top performer and you're like, great. And that kind of breaks through. Or maybe it sucks and it's a low performer. And then you're like, okay, I won't really do that again. And by doing that approach, you consistently evolve and keep it fresh. Because I'm doing slideshows now, but you know, even in the few weeks, it's like I've done stuff like the cover slide is a, a looping video. Cause I'm like, maybe that'll like stand out. I've tweaked the colors. I've made them tall slides as tall as it goes on Instagram to get more content in. Cause everyone else is doing squares. That might sound like really trivial, small stuff, but it's not because it compounds when you make little tweaks like that one a week over a year is 52 tweaks, which means in a year's time, if everyone else just keeps doing what they have been doing, they will become stale and stagnant and you will drastically look so different. You don't even recognize the original content, but it's a slow iteration. And this is something you do at Design Cuts too. So you want all your employees, only reason I know is because I am friends with two people who work for you, but they <laughs> you ask them to just make changes each week to try to get um, to move that needle. And so it's, what can you do this week? And so it's really all of us could be doing this, but it's the end of the week, what's happened, what's worked, what hasn't. And it's maybe that analyzing that we're not doing. How did you start analyzing that stuff? Um, you mean like what metrics or what change in mindset made me want to do it? So sometimes, you know, when you're talking about something at work and it's, um, this design used to take me, maybe you do something for a client once a month and you're like, okay, well, how can I speed this up? Or how can I make this better? How can I change this? How, you know, that doesn't really have maybe a specific metric except maybe visitors to a site or something like that. So what, like if you're talking maybe, I don't know, cause I think you ask everybody to do this, even like the accountants or something, right? Yeah. So, um, I've become such a huge believer in this. And again, only experience teaches you these things really. But there is a, oh, I can't remember the guy's name. Basically, he wrote a blog post um, about incremental gains that came from compounding. And the idea is if you improve just 1% each day, in a year, you'll be 37 times better off or bigger or whatever it might be. And that's huge. Like 37 times, I think that's 3,700% 
better off. <laughs> and obviously, um, you know, it's never a linear line and we'll go up and down a bit and we're never going to improve every single day, day in, day out. Right. But um, what we're trying to do with the company is uh, at Design Cuts, we're trying to make improvements to efficiencies and stuff like that. I know it sounds super boring, um, but every single week, everyone on the team picks something. And even if it's small, it really adds up because suddenly we've got like 15, 20 people on the team all improving something intentionally in what they're doing. And that happens week on week on week on week. And over a year, we're going to be in a drastically different place. And I think that doesn't need to be a company thing or a big, scary, intimidating thing. We can all do that. And I think there's kind of two, two points why it's important. One is that humans inherently become creatures of habit we inherently become lazy with this stuff. We get the blinkers on and we just mm. keep doing things the way we always have. And even when we try and mix them up, often we just revert back to our habits. They're very ingrained. And, and that is, it's human nature, but it's quite a dangerous thing. Um, but also I'm, I'm a real believer in entropy, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. And a great example of this was Brian Cox, the scientist talked about it and he made a sand castle. So he's mm-hmm. got this little castle out of sand and he said, watch what happens. And the wind started blowing away bits of sand off the top and then slowly it kind of crumbled to nothing. And I think that is what happens with our content and our brands and our marketing. If we not only just leave them and abandon them, but if we keep remaining consistent, it's not actually good enough. So it might sound stressful, but I believe we all need to be reinventing the wheel consistently because if at Design Cuts we change nothing from year one, we might have been doing a great job in year one. And so we're still doing that great job in year two and year three and four and five and six. But if we were exactly the same, people would have become bored of us. We wouldn't have mixed it up. We wouldn't have improved and we'd be dead by now. You only survive in this game by constantly reinventing the wheel and improving and trying to intentionally and proactively push things forward. I just finished reading this book by Twyla Tharp. I can't remember what it's called. Something, the creative, whatever, creative mindset or creative something. Anyway, creative habit maybe. And it really talks about always making, changing it because when you get in a habit, a habit's kind of the killer of creativity. And really I think of that, what you're talking about in industry, in the industry, older companies that have been around for 50 years are really having a hard time with this Mm -hmm. new digital age and where how consumers are have a different mindset or they're it's different and so they're really it moves so much quicker and they're really struggling they're struggling to they don't know where to pivot they just keep doing the same thing that they've been doing and that doesn't work anymore yeah. And people tend to fall into a couple of mindsets with this. There might be half the people on this call even where they're like, oh, that sounds really stressful. And that sounds like a lot of work. And like, man, I don't want to have to constantly reinvent the wheel. I want to bury my head in the sand. And they will unfortunately be the people that lose. Or there's the people that are like, actually, you know, on the surface level, that might seem scary marketing stuff, but it's not. It's like, like I said, with my cover slide, me having fun and getting creative. And I'm mm-hmm. like, you know what? Let's throw a video in there or let's mix up the colors. Or like recently I changed how I wrote my email newsletters and now I'm finding a real joy for writing because I, mm-hmm. I love the style that, that I'm trying there. So like it can be creative. It, it, it should be experimental and explorative. And all of that stuff is what makes us tick as creatives, right? So it's not some horrible pressure to constantly be improving. It's just like changing things up. You know, it's all how you look at it. Right. All right. So this is like 10 minutes of rapid fire. So you have this pattern of building a community. 
why is, and I do think this is like design cups. There's a whole bunch of things you have built that are community based. Mm-hmm. Um, why is this so important for you? And is, is this, does this have to do with the legacy you want to leave? Um, yeah. Okay. So short answer, I ran a blog, it got 15 million visitors because I was chasing vanity metrics, things like traffic. It ended up feeling very hollow and I realized it's not how many people you have, it's how much they care. Mm. So when I started design cuts, I flipped it and I said, I don't want tons of people. I want a smaller group that really, really care. And so we did things that way and subsequently built the best and, and biggest thing of my life. But it came from community. It came from not chasing these big metrics and numbers, but a small group of highly engaged people. And so I think it works tremendously well from a business and marketing standpoint. I think it's more fulfilling. I think you get to know those people and care about them and it becomes a reciprocal thing. It just ticks every box and it makes me super happy. And, and yeah, I want that to be my legacy. All right. So, so you already talked about that one. I'm crossing that one off. Um, (laughs) What's the secret to someone's ability? This is the question everybody has. And you've just answered it. It's not about the number, but it's, Mm -hmm. okay, how do you build those people who care? How quickly, I guess? Mm -hmm. Um, First of all, it's not quick, but I think you build it one person at a time. I talk about this a lot. People are shouting into the void of Mm. busy social media and getting lost in the wind. The way you cut through that is go person to person to person. Mm. So stop trying to worry about getting 100 likes on your content and worry about helping one person. And if, if I can be as busy as I am and jump on calls and everyone just holds back value, basically Mm. give and give and give as much as you can look at the people on the top of their game. Look at how much value Christo gives away for free and therefore he wins. And I'm trying to do a a similar approach. And so are a lot of the other successful people. And yet it's ironic that you get the people that have no success and are very, you know, they're starting out and they're the ones withholding value and saying, well, hold on my hourly rates, 50 bucks now. Why would I help you for free? Um, you know, or they're not that busy because they're not running all the stuff we're running yet. They're still not willing to kind of put in that time and value. So just disproportionately give as much as you can and what you give, you will get back. All right. So I want to kind of take this next part of this question in two parts. I want it to take it from this young person that's just entering the design world. Let's just say Allie. Okay. She works for you. So think about Allie. So she's been out of school for two years, two and a half maybe. And she'll be on the show with some other people talking about working remotely in a couple of weeks. And then let's take Patricia, who's been in design for 30 years. So how, what kind of things would you tell Allie she should share, share, she should share by the seashore. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) She should, anyway, that she needs to share. And then what kind of content would you say um, that Patricia needs to share? And are those the same things? Like, you know. Yeah. I, I think it's, um, I think it is the same fundamentals, right? Mm-hmm. It is honestly document where you're at in your journey and honestly try and give as much value as you can. But like, if I'm like, oh, well, what am, so say I'm Patricia and she's, she has twin girls that are about to go to college. Mm-hmm. This is something, these struggles that she's going f- through with being a mom and working and raising girls and then finding money to get them to go to college. Those are all things you could share or you could talk about design. All the things that you don't know, if you want to have it more of a design focused or business focused. All right? of it, right? right? Like, 
Scotty Russell is the side hustle guy, creative side mm-hmm. hustle. So creatives who have a day job but want to do their creative passions around that flock to him. Mm-hmm. She could be the, if you're a creative mom who struggles to pack it all in, she becomes their person. But it's all giving. So the same way I'm willing to pick up the phone and help people, I want to jump on right now and help as many people as I can give that value. I do it every day with my community. It's just giving. And I think what a lot of people need to do is they need to manage their expectations. So you Mm. will have less to give when you have less expertise and less talent developed. When you're earlier in your career, you won't be able to give as much as 20 years time. In 10 years, I will be able to give more than I can now because I'll be more of an expert but that shouldn't stop me giving today. Here's another thing I think that increases your expertness. It's the more you're talking, the more you're engaging with other people, the more you're reading, the more you're interacting, because now it's not just you in your vacuum, it's you with all these other people. And I think Mm -hmm. that's really important to say. So you're kind of 10Xing, and maybe this is why you've been able to grow so quickly is because you have been open up to helping many people And kind of um, sacrificing, because I think that there is some sort of sacrifice. You're sacrificing Netflix. You know, Mm -hmm. what else could somebody sacrifice, you know, that really they don't have to be doing that could. uh, I got got a good one because I guarantee everyone here, including both of us do this. Aimless scrolling on social media. Just going on your Instagram feed and surfing through. I still, even trying to be ruthless with my time, waste an ungodly amount of time doing that. And I'm only recently forcing myself to get better. You'd be amazed at what you could do. Like mm-hmm. in that one hour, how many people could you help? In that one hour, how good a piece of content could you produce? I, right, I so, just, yeah. So this one has to, sorry to interrupt you. This one has to do with understanding your audience and learning about their pain points. So I think I know the answer to this, and I think this is pretty quick because you've given this a lot, but how important is it that as you start, not you, Tom, but as Anybody, so Patricia is who's starting, that she understands her audience and understands their pain point. How does she get to know their pain point? You listen. Mm. Simple as that. And it, I, I can't state enough how crucial this is because you're right, you shouldn't operate in a vacuum. I listen every single day. I pay attention to what people ask me. I look for the patterns. I put out polls on Instagram. I monitor which content does the best. I look at what people are posting on their profiles and what they're discussing. I look for pain points. And so I constantly, I've got a notes file on my phone with content ideas Mm -hmm. and I edit it all the time. I'm not plucking those out of my imagination or thin air. I'm paying attention. And that's so key because of course that's going to do better than some random thing I made up where I don't know if people care. So this, if you're not getting a ton of DMs or no DMs, this is what you could do in that industry. So say you have an idea for moms that are designers with teenagers. So you're going to look up some of those maybe hashtags or you would look up something that somebody else would be searching so that you can start listening in those groups, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then also become known as the person that is a giver in that group. Mm -hmm. So start paying attention uh, on social media and so on, but actually start forging relationships even before you have content and products or anything like that to offer. So if you're trying to serve mums who are creative, go and try and make best friends with 50 mums on creative who are creative on Instagram and start talking to them. And they're not going to be pissed off. You're not spamming them or selling to them. If you're saying, Hey, I'm really like, I'm like you, I'm a a mum, and I'm looking to try and like put out some content and help people for free. 
who are like me because I just want to share. I just want to try and help. I'd love to pick your brain. You'd be amazed at how many people will DM back or even jump on a call with you. And that one-on-one feedback is so much better than a poll or a survey or some faceless thing like that because you get the real human, you know, feedback from them. Mm -hmm. All right. So how... What surprised you about the growth of this audience, your audience? Because really doing it a year, you were planning on doing it for five or 10 years, but it really exploded and you think that you're going to meet your goal in, in another year. So what, what was surprising to you? Simply the fact it didn't take longer because I was so mentally geared up for mm. just ludicrous amounts of patience. Um, and I, I was happy to wear that like a badge of honor. It's the same reason I drive the worst car out of my entire team. It has dents in it. It's got crap all over the inside. It's falling apart. All the panels have fallen off the side. It looks terrible. Everyone teases me and tells me to sell it all the time. But equally, I know people 10 years younger than me who are like renting Porsches and doing all kinds of stuff like that. Um, I'm playing the long game. I'm happy to be patient so that when people are like, how do you pull that off? I'm like, because I drove the crappy car and because I put in the work every day and because I kept working and working for the long game um, and I enjoyed the process of doing it. Was that something that you learned as a kid? The long game? Was that? No. It's um, truthfully, it's just really come from like my kind of virtual uh, mentors online and, and just trying to educate myself with as much of their stuff as possible. I think whilst my parents, they're not like crazily materialistic, but I actually grew up in a house where it, especially when I was younger, it was a bit keeping up with the Joneses. So I think I've almost gone the other way um, away from that, where it's like, I'm just going to keep my head down keep working and try and build something really meaningful. Um, Cause I grew up with basically, I, I live in quite a nice area. So I grew up with rich kids who were going out and renting sports cars to impress girls and show off their bills in the local bar on Instagram. And so I've kind of run the other direction (laughs) where it's like, I want to have some substance behind what I'm doing. All right. So I think we've, um, these are really, we are out of time, but we're going to go really fast. Um, You got me by the way, I I don't have to run. So I know, but you need to eat your second lunch. All right. So how, so I'm going to go back to this really quick because I don't feel like I have the answer that I need. So when you're at the end of the week and at the beginning of the week, you say, Hey, I'm going to measure this and I'm going to change this. So you have two things that you've set. Mm -hmm. Is that correct? Yeah. To be honest, this is more structured within my company. Um, it's more just something I keep front of mind. So it's not like clearly organized and project planned for my personal brand. It's more an intentional thing where I say to Marco, let's try and mix up the thumbnails. Or I say to myself, I'm just constantly thinking, how can I improve this? Okay. It's, It's the Japanese philosophy, business philosophy, Kaizen, continuous improvement. So then what about when are you taking a look at analytics, either visits or, um, engagement or, how many downloads your podcast has, like how often are you doing that kind of analyzing? Not that often. I mean, I just hit 10 K on Instagram. Um, it was only a week or two ago that I actually turned, like I stopped using a personal account to get insights. That's how little I cared. I just got a feel from like, you know, if I did a few posts and they blew up, I was like, "Mm, I'll do more of that. I didn't need like all these in-depth statistics that I could waste a bunch of time going through to tell me that. 
equally, I, I love what uh, Michael Janda is doing and, and we're becoming friends, I believe. He's awesome. Um, but I, I've seen some of his posts do really well. And whilst I don't want to rip them off, I'm kind of thinking, hmm, they're very tactical. People clearly like the tactical stuff. Hmm, they've also liked tactical stuff in my content. So I should do more tactical stuff because the mindset stuff, that's great too. But people don't like vague. They like specific and that's feedback I get all the time. Mm-hmm. So I would be a moron not to pay attention to that. And in my upcoming content, make it as tactical as hell and really break down the steps for people. I love that. All right. So I'm writing that down. Make it tactical. But I yeah. also think that's listening, right? That's being in and listening in the groups and being helpful, but also listening and seeing what people are struggling with. Mm-hmm. So how do you recharge? Ooh, is that tying in with the show's name? Yeah. <laughs> the last three questions. Okay. Um, at the minute, I get my sleep and golf. Okay. But you get recharged from helping other people too, right? That's just a natural. You're an extrovert, aren't you? Uh, ambivert. Okay. Um, so kind of, I, <laughs> I put this out on Twitter the other day, um, but I said the happiness that's derived from, from this kind of stuff often is like how heroin makes you happy because, um, you know, it's great and you get that buzz, but so much of it comes from an addiction to likes and growth and affirmation. I won't lie. It's very addictive when people are like, love what you're doing and you get a flurry of that. Um, and, and they support our company and so on. That's awesome. Um, but I would argue you probably get a deeper, richer happiness, spending time with loved ones, being in nature, all that kind of cliche stuff. It's a cliche for a reason. Ultimately, no matter how passionate you are, like you DMing or putting out content on Instagram, if that's the thing that makes you happiest in life, something's probably broken. <laughs> right. you know, it's great. Do your passion, all of that in the sense of, yes, you love helping people, but definitely have that, like, that deeper happiness going on. Well, I think it's also these one-on-one relationships and conversations that you're having maybe on a regular basis with somebody like people in your group or like Scotty, things like, like that. This. Yeah. This makes oh, me like happy. this. Yeah. Me too, Tom. All right. So <laughs> what inspires you? Hmm. Is it different than when you were younger? Probably. Um, I think growth, like I talk about this a lot. My favorite analogy is uh, what I love with creativity and business is how Da Vinci turned a blank canvas into the Mona Lisa and it changed the world. That's my favorite example because it's not an equation that someone solved before me that I just have to go through the, the steps of solving. It's that you could start with an idea or a talk or you could literally say a passing remark on this podcast, but it's good enough and we execute it, right? And it goes on to change the face of the industry. Hmm. And, you know, that's what we did with Design Cuts. That could have just been an idea where it's like, meh, didn't bother, but we've changed a whole industry on the back of it. Absolutely. I I, I love that. That's what drives me. All right. So this is, I didn't have written down, but I wrote it down on the side on my piece of paper. So how do you deal with negative comments? I have heard that if you're not getting any negative comments, you're not doing something right because you should be pushing the, yeah. uh, there should be something that you're pushing. You're holding a line, not just uh, riding it. It's true. Um, I virtually get no negative comments. I think I've, I've had one which was like 
kind of negative. Um, the reason being, I'll, I'll tell you the truth again, to keep it honest. I kind of, as well as helping a lot of people, I kind of want to be like the Dave Grohl of our industry, um, where everyone likes him. And that's just because I'm a people pleaser. So I like to be liked. Like who doesn't write it? But like, I really, really thrive off of it. I love the idea where it's like, you know, you're the one almost throwing the party in this sense and everyone's having a great time together. I would argue someone like Christo, I think he's a sweetheart. We had a, a great chat last mm-hmm. night on the phone, um, but he's, he's a bit more hard in his style, right? So I can totally see that he'd be more divisive. Some people are like, oh, like, that's really off-putting or he seems really mean or whatever. And other people, a lot of people are like, he delivers insane value and he really cares. I fall into the second camp um, but I would be terrified to be like him. And I've, I've seen it. I've seen live workshops where he literally like calls someone out to their face. Um, I can't do it because I, I always just want that person to like be my, <laughs> be my friend. And maybe that sounds really lame, but as a result, I don't really get any negativity. Well, I got a first, my first negative comment and I've said really been like, trust. Yes. I know kind of, I was like, and I really just responded just like I would with anything, you know, I'm always trying to improve. And it was about how I'm, I fumble through my questions. So even today I've been really trying to work on being clear with what my, instead of just doing it, like it's a conversation anyway. I mean, they did it. They typed exactly what I said and I was like, Oh, that was painful. It was painful it, for them to die. But maybe that's for them. But for me, I've had a great time. And I just think this is like authentic human Diane. I don't want some like, you know, syllable perfect robot. Right. No. And Diane. Well, and that's also what I said. You know, like it's just me. So I think that there is something about that. Yeah. What advice would you give your younger self? Always a tough question. Um yeah, my advice would actually, it, it would be like start earlier with sharing and, and doing the whole personal brand thing. Um, forget about vanity metrics and realize it is not the number of people, it's how much they care and act accordingly. And also, um, this is getting really deep, but like going back to school, I think just be a, be a better person. I think I probably unfortunately fell into the camp of like, where you've got all that teenage angst and insecurity. And if someone's kind of mean to you, you try and like deflect it onto someone else. And it's really brutal. And like the majority of kids do that. And I saw it all the time and didn't make them or me inherently bad people. But I just look back and I think, you know what, trying to have the confidence to actually own it and be like, you know what, like if you don't like me, whatever, but I'm going to continue to be nice to everyone. I wish I was more like I am now when I was younger. Yeah. I, yeah. I think we all probably feel like that at some fifth grade was terrible for me um we won't. Say that. <laughs> the others were okay i made a stand i took a stand and i think it was fifth grade and anyway i never looked back from there all right good. so good for you. last one what's next how soon are we talking uh give me a one year and a five year okay one year um growing design cuts considerably and growing the personal brand considerably but kind of in similar veins to how we have been doing it but just bigger and better um five years design cuts being the dominant uh creative marketplace um personally best-selling book launch uh, well-paid speaking career helping people at scale 
uh, investing in other startups and mentoring them. We're talking about startup incubator among other things. Um, and like coaching career kind of alongside it, but in quite a low time commitment way with maximum impact, something like that. Do you think in five years you will have stepped out of design cuts more to do all those other things? Or do you think it'll still be the same kind of um, rhythm that you're in right now? I don't know. I think, I hope not because design cuts is my baby. So I think just spending my time on less dumb stuff, like day-to-day stuff and yeah, just being able to delegate more and more and more of that stuff. And, you know, I, I, we all have those days where in 30 minutes I realize I've had more impact on the business than I have for the rest of the week combined. So it's trying to have more of those 30 minute impact moments and less of the hours and hours of stuff I shouldn't be doing. Right. All right. So now it's the time for me to share all your links. So you have a link tree. You want to tell them why you do link tree? Cause I think cause somebody said this, um, Oh, is this part of design cuts like your personal brand? So where those things live, is it important that somebody has their own site for those things? Um, yeah, I link tree is great cause it's out of the box and it's easy. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually recommend having a custom solution. It's just, I haven't had time to go and build it, but I think come up with a responsive page on your website that you can do in your own brand. It's going to stand out because everyone uses Linktree. So you just become generic by using them. Um, And yeah, nice responsive page linking out to all your various bits of content, like Atlantic page. Um, Oh, Diane just added all my links. Um, Do you want me to say it as well? I'm going to, yeah, say it. Or yeah. Cool. So designcuts.com. Someone asked earlier in the chat, why use us? because we're the freaking best at what we do. It's one of the few things in life that I'm like just supremely confident and happy to say that out loud. Um, if you're a creative and you like fonts, mockups, illustrations, any of that stuff, brushes, we have the most curated marketplace on earth. So it's quality over quantity. You don't have to wade through all the rubbish products to find the good ones. You can get it cheaper than anywhere else. You can save 50% on your order, which you don't get anywhere. And you don't have to pay more for extended licensing. licensing which you do like, which is huge, huge. It's like three to 10 times the price at other places. It's all wrapped in for free with a super clear license and you get the best community and customer care and the loveliest people and so on. So Batista Mm -hmm. asks, Tom, how the heck do you get those deals? Batista, he would have to kill you if he told you. I told you exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then in terms of the personal brand, my Instagram uh, and YouTube and Patreon is Tom Ross Media. And if you go to tomross.co, so tomross.co, that's my website, which is just starting to kind of take shape. But that's where you can sign up for my newsletter, which is still the industry's best kept secret, but not for long. (laughs) That's right. Well, um, and I, did you say the Patreon, patreon.com slash Tom Ross media and all the other places? Yes. So Debbie says you won me over today, followed on Twitter and Instagram and considering Patreon. Thank you for everything you shared with us today. And thank you for your candor. And I appreciate that too. Yeah, go ahead. Of course. And I'll give a prime example of everything I talked about. Um, Debbie, but in fact, anyone who tuned on live today, if you DM me on Instagram, your biggest kind of marketing struggle, I'm not going to hit you back and try and sell you something. I will give you a guaranteed response, quite possibly a video response, and I'll give every bit of value I possibly can to help you for free because I love this stuff. Well, good. I'm glad. I love Debbie. Debbie's amazing. She did our, we did a challenge and we're going to start another challenge, I think September. Um, nice. and she does these patterns. Anyway, she did Yeti cups and she made them all and it was really cool. 
we need to have a separate chat as well because we're having a big event and we'd love to get you on as a speaker because I think you'd be awesome. Oh yeah, I'd be happy to. All right. So just so you know, we will not have a show tomorrow. Today was the show. Um, I just want to thank Tom so much for just being, let me go to gallery view. So it'll be side by side. (laughs) I just want to thank you for giving us your time and giving us a ton of value for a lot of questions. I think hopefully it, inspire some people who maybe like Kent or Patricia have been in the business and maybe are thinking about, well, why do I need to do this? And, and maybe it is something that we just combine, but maybe it's not about a screen that you see here, but it's a screen that you're sharing things that you're doing with your hands or hiking or, or whatever. Exactly. It doesn't mean that the only people you can reach are designers. That's the other thing. That's just one audience. You can also reach moms or uh, t-shirt people or anyone right (laughs) yeah hell yeah like your people your tribe your community yeah the people who you surround yourself with anyway i just want people to realize that there's a bigger bit and you know i got the um the future pack or whatever all those mock-ups i think that mocks up why can i not talk today mock-ups that was (laughs) still that daytime drinking diane i guess so (laughs) it's diet dr pepper people um (laughs) the that was such a great deal and i think mock-ups help us in our in how we sell to a client because it makes things real and so i just love that that was something that you did Appreciate it. Well, thank you so much for having me on. You know, I always love chatting with you, Diane, and every single person that jumped on live today. I appreciate every single one of you. Like I say, reach out anytime. And thank you for being so wonderful and supportive in the chat. Awesome. We'll see you guys next week. It's just me. I think I'm redoing. It's not going to be called rapid recharge because they're never rapid. Maybe it's (laughs) going to be rambling recharge, but I'm going to tell you what I've been learning in August and hopefully that'll give you some inspiration and Uh, some tactical tips because some of those are tactical. Anyway, I'll see you guys next week. That was an awesome show. I'm so thankful to Tom Ross for everything he was able to bring and, and share and give. So, all right. For you as a listener of Design Recharge, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30 day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. I am reading the book of beautiful questions right now by Warren Berger. And hopefully it'll help me ask better questions and help me ask my clients better questions and help me ask their customers better questions. So I'm really excited. You can get this by, you can download uh, like this one or something else. Um, Pick another book you've been dying to read. And they have a lot of fiction books also. Audibletrial.com slash design recharge. Another way to support the channel and the podcast and get extra content like the video that I'm adding this week with Andre Caetano, it is delivered only to patrons. And we're about to start our second challenge for the year in September. And this is delivered to patrons only at patreon.com slash Diane Gibbs. My favorite way to build websites is with the Elementor plugin that works with almost any WordPress theme, and it makes almost any theme invincible. This plugin has really changed the way that I've been able to design websites. It is called the Elementor plugin. And where other, there's a free version, and then you can buy the Pro. The Pro is what I did, and then I've actually bought some other ones that are um, connected to it as well. 
I just love it. So where other plugins fall short or other visual builders have fell short, Elementor uses common sense and it was so easy to understand and implement with. And it's easy for my clients to go in and adjust some things as well, basic things. So if you want to download this game changer, you can use this affiliate link to purchase the plan that's right for you. And you can go to bit.ly, B-I-T dot L-Y slash capital D, capital R, and then Elementor, all in lowercase. And I'm using a new app for my phone and on the computer. And I, I really love this app. It's called Timely. And it tracks my time for clients. There's also a memory option. It's kind of like the stalker option. And it remembers what I've been doing. It remembers which projects I've been working on, what emails I was sending, what websites I was on, which helps me determine what projects I was working on so that I can bill it correctly. And I don't have to remember it. So that is one of the plans, and I absolutely love it. When you sign up for Timely via this link, you're going to receive 10% discount once you activate your subscription. You're able to try Timely for 14 days before activating it, and then to make sure that Timely really is something that's right for you, and it was for me. So the link is bit.ly, B-I-T dot L-Y slash D-R-Timely, T-I-M-E-L-Y, all lowercase. All right. That's it. So I will see you guys next week for a, I don't really want to call it rapid recharge because it's never rapid unless I'm talking fast, which I guess is the only thing that's rapid. I hope you'll join me next week. It's just me. And then we have Thomas Jockin and then we have Chris Doe. We're going to be talking about all kinds of things this next month. Can't wait. I'll see you guys next week. Oh, hit like and subscribe and give me a comment down below. I, I hope you'll join me next week for what did I call it though? Rambling. That's it. I hope you'll join me next week for the rambling recharge. I don't think that really works either. Anyway, we'll figure something out. It's not R and R rest and relaxation. Maybe I need another R. So I'll see you guys on next week. I just wanted to tell you about a couple things, ways to support the show. You can, for you, a listener of Design Recharge, you Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a 30-day free trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. I just finished Twyla Tharp's The Great, The Creative Habit. So I'm also reading business-wise, I'm reading the book of beautiful questions. So it's hopefully it'll help me ask better questions and get to know you, get to know my clients' audience, get to know. And I started a new one, but I, you know, sometimes, oops, sometimes, let me just wait. Sometimes I listen to fiction. I'm listening to Diana Gabaldon, Gabaldon, Diana Gabaldon, the Outlander series. I have listened to them before in the past. I love this. I love the girl who um, t does all the accents and talks and she just is incredible. I also listen to Game of Thrones this way. It's really fun. Anyway, so that's what I am listening to right now. Now, granted, if you ask me what business book I'm reading, I am going... I started reading the book of the book of beautiful questions things we do a lot of questions anyway this is totally rambling on 